Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, uh, Big Book Study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered uh, compulsive reader. Today's a very special day. It's a lucky Friday, the 13th of March, 2020. <laughs> Today we're reading from the Big Book, and we're currently on page 97, the first paragraph. It reads, uh, never avoid these responsibilities. We're going to read the one paragraph only. So today's readers, we have Tenzin P. on the 12 Steps and Christina J. on the 12 Traditions. I'm not sure. We may, uh, I'll, I'll say this, Lane. Um, if, I, I'm not sure Christina checked in, but I might have Lane uh, read the 12 Traditions. Okay. The readers of the text, we have Lauren N., Susan H., and again, Lane C. Let me give you the share ID for Thursday, March 12th. Uh, for the 7 a.m. meeting, Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is 14,248. That's 14248. And for the 10 a.m. Uh, meeting, that's 14,250. Um, the new, the uh, newcomer greeter after the meeting is Jason K. And then uh, the host for the second hour is Deanna B. The uh, OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Uh, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive reading, they can indeed recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I'm now going to ask uh, Tenzin P. Tenzin, would you get us started with the 12 steps? And Tenzin, if you would um, press star one. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from New York. And here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible 
except when to do so would injure them or others. Ken continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, softer prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thanks so much, Tenzin. We appreciate that. And um, I'm going to ask Lane C. if you'd be kind enough, Lane, to read the 12 traditions. Happy to do it. Um, Good morning. This is Lane C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Rochester, New York. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much for allowing me to do service today. Thanks, Lane. We do appreciate that. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months, and there is absolutely no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request, however, that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And of course, we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we are, um, we're back in the big book. We are currently on page 97. 
the first paragraph, which reads, never avoid these responsibilities. And we're gonna, Lauren's gonna read one paragraph only. So with that, Lauren N., would you get us started? Good morning, everyone. Lauren N., compulsive overeater, sugar addict from New York. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the good Samaritan every day if need be. It may mean the loss of many nights' sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money and your home, counseling frantic wives, relatives, and relatives, innumerable trips to the police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. Your telephone may jangle at any time of day or night. Your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. A drunk may, may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally, you have to meet such conditions. Thank you, God. I'm in this program today, and I know that number one job that I have today is to give service back to others. I have not ultimately had the experience of having to call and administer sedatives or um, call the police or um, have my wife, because I don't have one, um, or husband, um, feel neglected. I have, though, had family members annoyed with the fact that I have sponsor sponsee phone calls and have them at all times of day and night have be on the call on this call and other calls and go to meetings at various times and have other people be resentful of the amount of time I give to the program I have had that and I still I gladly talk to my family and friends and gladly share with them how important this is for me. And if I don't do and make this a priority in my life, giving service back to others who are in this, in this program, that I run the risk of picking up. And this is what keeps me sober being in this program and giving service at all times. I have had to strike a balance with that, with giving service and taking care of 
myself, it's not always been easy. And thank God today, God has shown me how and where I have to say no to others or I have to give back because my codependency tells me I should give everything. And I'm glad to to say today I don't. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you all for being here. Thanks, Lauren, for getting us started. Okay, we're going to transition over to the shares. Um, Let me tell you where we're at. Lauren read from page 97, the first paragraph only. And uh, just two uh, recommended criteria. One, um, if you've washed your hands in the last 24 hours, we'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't shared in the past uh, day or so, we'd like to hear from you. Who who would like to share? Naomi. Kim J. Linda Davis. Okay, here's what I have so far. Okay, so um, they were coming through fast and furious, but I did hear Naomi. I heard a Judy. I think it was a Brenda or Brandy. Um, if, if I have Brandy, Brandy, Brandy. Oh, Brandy. Hey, Brandy. Um, and Kim G and Carol. Um, can I get two more that, that I left out? Nancy P. Beth W. Nancy and Beth. Okay, let's stop there. My apologies for my aging ears here. Okay, Naomi, would you get us started? Followed by sure. Judy. Sure, Larry, can Good you morning. hear me okay? Beautifully. Okay, thank you. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Well, helping others is a foundation stone of your recovery. I, you know, I want to tell you, I couldn't say that enough or mean it enough because I have been given so much in this program, like that weekend in April in 2013 when a young man cracked open the big book for me and explained to me what I was dealing with and how I can recover only by God's help. And it's only by God's help. I would be the most selfish person if I didn't turn around and give back. And, you know, for me, giving back is not only getting on the phone meeting every morning and, and my my face-to-face twice a week, and talking with sponsors. It's also like opening a door for someone at the store or, or, or trying to help somebody with a package. I mean, this is all part of helping others and giving something back. But more importantly, with this program, I take it very, very seriously because this disease wants to kill me. And thank you, God. I have a reprieve because I do have a God that loves me and because I work this program. And when someone calls and say, you know, tell me about your experience, strength, and hope, yes, absolutely. And I always follow it up with, please let me know if I can help in any way. Because I would be so selfish if I just kept it to myself, this wonderful, amazing, recovered life that I live every day, but I just have today. That's all I have is today. I don't know if I'm promised tomorrow. And it's wonderful. And helping others, it's like such a blessing, and I just feel so grateful. And I'm I'm just, you know, uh, things aren't always easy. There's always something coming up in my life, whether it's me or my family. And But I'm blessed with it. I'm blessed. And it is a bit of a juggling act, especially when my daughter comes in from out of town, the the time I share with the program, the time I share with my daughter. And um, 
but God allows that time to be there. So thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thanks, Naomi. Okay, we have Judy followed by Brandy. Good morning, Judy. It's your turn. Good morning, Larry. It's Judith R. in Vermont, gratefully recovered. And I just had a funny thought as I heard it read. In a way, we do administer a sedative. The sedative we administer is abstinence. We help the person find out what their abstinence Maybe we send them to a nutritionist. We help them identify their alcoholic foods. And that is pretty much a sedative. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Judith. Appreciate it. Okay, next up, we have Brandy followed by Kim. Good morning, Brandy. Hey, Brandy, press star one if you would. What? Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Hi, Good friends. morning. <laughs> Good morning. Hi, it's Brandy M. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. By the grace of God, for today is my six-month abstinence birthday, and I'm super grateful. I came out of a very, very strong relapse, and my disease had taken me to a place of total desperation. And today I do this work one day at a time with others because I don't want to have to go back to where I was because it was a really dark, miserable place. What I, what I see from this paragraph is that, you know, this work has now become my second job. I have to do this work with others and pass on the message to stay recovered. And so, you know, when my kids are saying to me, Mom, you're on your phone so much, and then the other one says, but Haley, that helps her. That's, that's why she does this. You know, what a gift they see in me, you know, that I need to do this work. Although I've had to set some boundaries with it, um, where I only sponsor in the mornings now, and in the car on the way home, I'm calling people and seeing how they are. I know that if I don't stay connected, this is a total, total selfish thing for me. If I don't stay connected to the people in the program, as well as the newcomer who's struggling, I for, I'm going to forget what it was like. And so one day at a time, I continue to do what I need to do so that I can stay clean which I'm so grateful for. What, what the other thing I was thinking about is, you know, as a person I've changed is, you know, when you see me going through a door, I'm more cautious of, hey, if somebody's behind me, stop and wait, or can I help you? And, and then even going through a grocery tail, smiling at somebody, doing, some, doing those simple acts of kindness that make other people's day and, to, and gets me out of me because really that's important for me is to, you know, let go of the selfishness and just be a service and kindness of everyone that comes into my into my ways during the day. So anyways, that's all I have to say. And uh, thank you so much for being with this on this journey with me. And I'll pass. Thanks, Brandy. Okay, next up is Kim G followed by Carol. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G and I've been recovered since January 2011. And I love these lines. You know, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. You know, a good friend of mine says that she is divinely inconvenienced on a daily basis. You know, I think part of the problem I had at least was that I confused that word service. I confused the word service to the fellowship with actually working with others. 
And the big book is really clear. It says over and over again, from the preface to page 164, that when we're shaky, when sex is troublesome, work with another alcoholic. Bill talks about after being recovered, when he even became plagued with depression and almost went back to drinking, it doesn't say he went to a meeting. It doesn't say he called Dr. Bob. He goes to the hospital to help another one, and he gets lifted up. In the doctor's opinion, it talks about putting these principles in a practical application at once by helping other people. So I just wanted to mention some of my observations, you know, that I've seen. You know, I, I, a friend of mine talks about before she really got into the big book that she treated meetings like a gas station. She would go there and fill up and she would leave. How many of us run out of the meeting ignoring the still suffering or just talking to our friends? How many of us are so busy? Well, because life gets large when we're, we're recovered and we can, when we can enjoy life that oh, we don't have time to sponsor more than one people, one person. You know, this is my observation. I know it's going to come up as a judgment, but I hear people who are on phone meetings three, four, five hours a day and then say, I don't have time to sponsor. You know what? Maybe give up a phone meeting. Maybe give up a podcast and work with someone during that, that other hour. You know, um, I think working with others often drifts back to being a life coach, a diet buddy, and we're not working the steps, which is what we need in order to stay recovered. And as it says, acting good Samaritan on a daily basis, I don't know about your disease, but my disease demanded 24-7 attention. What makes me think that recovery can be a part-time gig? You know, one of the joys is my home group. When I leave my home group and I stayed after working with somebody and there was three of three little groups working with people, we have a step one meeting afterwards to catch those people that are new coming back after, you know, a relapse or still in the room and, and suffering. And we don't, that home group ends at 10, but most of the time, a lot of people aren't leaving till noon. You know, and I'm going to end with this. There's a, uh, one of my mentors in AA in the area, he talks about the difference between being a savage and being a warrior. A savage is someone who only, who only fights for themselves. And a warrior is someone who fights for the community. And I do feel in Overeaters Anonymous, we have way too many savages. And what we need is a lot more warriors. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim. Okay, next up we have Carol followed by Nancy. Good morning, Carol. Hi, my name is Carol. I'm a compulsive overeater and many other things making progress for this moment. Um, can you hear me? I can, perfectly. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you for leading the meeting. Um, what I want to say is I've missed a chance to go up to, oh, overeat. I mean, you could tell they were overeaters. Um I didn't have enough chutzpah to uh, give them the small little big book. I'm, I'm going to be carrying that with me in my purse. I'm going to clean my purse out and carry it with me because it's so sad, you know, to see people suffering. I don't know if they are, and maybe they're happy where they, they are, but I know I was not, okay? I, I was not happy. Um, by the grace of... Uh, my higher power, who I call Hashem, which is God in Hebrew. Um, I really don't care. It's going to be a year in August 28th, but I, I don't care about that number. I just care about the 12 steps, the program, um, members, the 12 traditions. That's what I'm, I'm, you know, grateful for. I'm grateful that I don't 
um, turn we into me anymore. I, I want to help others. I really do. And I'm not going to have, I'm, I'm going to just do it, you know, no matter what the consequences are. And maybe they'll read it, you know, and I have left, you know, something for them to think about. I know when I was in physical therapy, I was talking to a woman. We were riding the bike. And um, she was telling me how she had surgery. And I was telling her that I was in a program. And she goes, Overeaters Anonymous. And I says, yes. And she goes, well, I have a friend that also attends. She's doing really well. I said, would you like me to give you my phone number? And I gave her my number and she gave me hers. I've called her a few times, but she never responded to call me back. So, you know, that's the best I could do. I tried to carry the message. But I am. I'm, I am going to choose to just hand a big book to anybody. Any, I don't mean anybody. Anyone I see. Um, I'm just grateful for this for this reading, for the phone meetings, and oh, God forbid, you know they should take away face-to-face meetings because of what's going on. But thank God we have the telephone. Um, that's the one thing I'm grateful for. I know we don't touch anybody in face-to-face meetings, and it, it's it's so sad, but that's. You know, we have to accept what's going on right now. And anyhow, with that, I pass. Thank you again for leading the meeting, and thank you for everybody that's on the phone line. And I will pass. Thank you, Carol. Okay, next up, Nancy, and followed by Beth. Good morning, Nancy. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Nancy P. calling from West Newton, Massachusetts. Um so, yeah, I spend, in 24 hours, I work, I sleep, and I take care of my family. And um, within the family part, it's grocery shopping and laundry and stuff like that. And 80% of the time that I'm not doing those three things, I'm sponsoring, making phone calls, getting phone calls, you know, thinking about what I can do to be better um, to um, do my higher powers work here. But I was thinking that I started a new job uh, about three weeks ago, and the amazing thing, I feel like I've been just delivered with it. I work at a a research facility where um, they do research on ALS, and um, I help those people. I'm the um, director of clinical operations, and I um, I help those people in their lives. And um, anybody who knows anybody who has ALS, or if they had ALS, or anyone who knows anyone who died from ALS, it's really a horrific disease. And um, these people really need me, and they really need me. And they need me because, and I was hired because. I have a bottomless pit of um, sympathy and empathy. And the reason it's bottomless is because it, it used to be a bottomless pit of addiction and compulsive overeating and conniving and manipulating. And 
you know, my higher powers cleaned it out, roto-rooted it, and filled it with compassion. So I can help these people who some of them can't talk, some of them, you know, most of them can't walk, you know, and, um, you know, when I talk to them over email, I, I reassure them. And the other day, someone said she has ALS and her husband was just diagnosed with um, Parkinson's that um, affects his voice. And she said, um, I don't know, our house is silent and I don't know who's going to take care of the other when, when neither of us can move anything. And I wrote back to her and, and I said, you know, first I said I was sorry that, to hear about her husband. I said, but you know, your future isn't written yet. And whatever happens, people care about you and you're not alone. And, um, you know, I was so grateful to, do, to be able to do that. And that's just one example of an opportunity that I get many times every day. So I really feel as though my higher power plucked me out of this churning desire to, um, you know, be financially secure. I have no fear of financial insecurity. That's another, obviously another gift that I've gotten. But my higher power said, I, I have a job for you and I want, and I think you'd be the perfect person for this job. And if someone had told me, Gentle you know, a year ago, yep, I'll wrap up. If someone had told me a year ago that I was going to do a job like this and love it like I do, I wouldn't have believed it. But I feel completely fulfilled now, 24 hours a day, um, and I'm just so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, Beth, it's your turn. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Larry. This is Beth W. from North Dakota, compulsive overeater recovered just for today. And uh, thanks for calling on me. Um, happy Friday, third thirteenth. Um, I do not like this paragraph <laughs> because it compels me to do things that are against my nature. I am, um, by my my basic nature, selfish and self-seeking, and I want other people to take care of me. And it says. Um, Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. And then it goes on to say, um, uh, you have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. And I double-checked the meaning of have to, and yes, it does mean must. And there are so many musts in this book, meaning you have to do something, uh, a, circular, um, a circular thought. But um, in order to stay recovered, I have to do these kindly acts every day. And I want to, I want to be cared for. I don't want to be the one who reaches out and helps someone else. And yet in order to have this spiritual awakening and to do the will of the God of my understanding, I have to go against my basic nature. And when I do, life is pretty darn good. And um, so, but it also says, be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume these responsibilities, which means I have to check my motives, my motivation, and make sure I'm doing it because it's God's will and not Beth's will. Um, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it to help someone else or is it really 
just more selfish and self-seeking behavior. Hey, look at me. Look how great I am. Look, look at what I get to do and then splash it all over the news. I'm such a great human being. I'm, I'm this recovery. No, it's, it's quiet and it's loving and it's gentle. And when I do those things quietly, lovingly, and gently, then I believe I'm doing God's will. And that's all I have. Thanks, and have a great Friday. Thanks, Beth. Thanks so much, Beth. So we're on page 97, the first paragraph. We're going to take another round of hand washers. Um, Who would like to share? Amy G. Elizabeth D. Elizabeth? Cynthia C. From Connecticut. Cynthia, who was from Connecticut? Liz Z. Liz. Thanks, Liz. Couple more, two, three more. Okay. Uh, so we have, so far I have Amy, Elizabeth, Cynthia, and Liz. Did I leave someone out of that first round? Or the second round, rather? CCH. Okay. Let's go with that. All right. So we have Amy followed by Elizabeth. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Hi, everyone. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I don't think I've ever gotten in first in line, so this is the first. (laughs) Yay for me. Okay, so thank you, everyone. Boy, you know, this part about where the wife may feel neglected, there have been times where, I mean, I would never say I would would neglect my children or neglect my family or my husband, but there have been times where I've had to say, I don't expect you to understand, but please respect what I need to do for my recovery. Like Kim said, there is an essential part of my recovery, and that is carrying the message. That is doing service. I mean, if I just look at it from a selfish perspective, I need to carry the message in order to stay sober and abstinent myself. So part of my recovery is to do those things that take time away from other things and a humility to admit my limitations to others when I say that I have to do these other things. My children don't understand. They're young adults now, and they laugh at me like, oh, there she goes again. Mom's still on the phone with a sponsee, you know, or whatever. And I try to do it within reason, but that's taking years of trying to adjust schedules and things so that I can respect my family's time but also do what is necessary for my recovery. And that's purely from a selfish perspective because my carrying the message is not optional in my recovery. It's part of my spiritual maintenance. Yes, I do it now because it is a gift. It is a privilege. It is an honor. It has given me a sense of self and a sense of purpose that I have never dreamed possible. It talked about in the beginning of the chapter to see the eyes of other people open up to this wonderful recovery program. And, oh, by the way, if I am recovered and I've worked the 12 steps, I am equipped to carry this message. And there's nothing wrong when I sponsor, because I know it's intimidating, especially for new sponsors, to say to a sponsee, I don't know. And going and looking to the fellowship of others who are recovered and asking for feedback, there's nothing wrong with being able to do that. I think winging it is one of the worst ways to water down the program. Ask others in the fellowship if you don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a great wealth 
of experience that's out there. And just real quickly, I want to wrap up by saying, you know, most overhears anonymous meetings, we are blessed with phones and phone meetings, but there are still face-to-face Overeaters Anonymous meetings that are struggling. And if we're recovered, I feel very strongly about supporting our local meeting. Grab a big book and go to your local Overeaters Anonymous meeting so that we can share what these 12 steps have to offer. We don't need to go to sanitariums and hospitals anymore. We need to go to our Overeaters Anonymous meeting, and I'll get off my little pedestal there. Thanks for letting me share. (laughs) Thanks, Amy. Good advice. Okay, um, next up, Elizabeth, followed by Cynthia. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning. Can I be heard, Larry? You can. Um, I'm grateful to be on the line uh, today. Um, I don't want to, I've just heard so much that I needed to hear. I don't have a lot to share, but I know that this line, helping others, is the foundation stone of your recovery. For me, that's a very specific. statement. When I work with someone new, and I don't really like the word sponsor for a couple of reasons. I don't think the word sponsor is in this book. I think that's something we've taken on. But um, I, I, I like to think of it that more as a guide or a teacher, even more a guide. Um, when I take someone on, work with someone, and I just start with them, and I'm helping them identify their alcoholic foods, um, I find that it is an extraordinary moment of honesty for me. It's a time when I can grasp the opportunity to be entirely honest with myself about my own food plan and and my own what I call entire abstinence. If I'm asking another person or suggesting, let's say, not asking, suggesting that someone I'm guiding um, recognize the difference between abstinence and entire abstinence, and that's a whole other share, which I won't go into, abstinence and entire abstinence, then I have to be looking at my food plan. Is there anything on that food plan that's triggering me? And that is why, very specifically, this helping of others is the foundation of my recovery. It is the spiritual maintenance that I need to stay out of isolation. And I'm, I'm hearing, oh, because yeah, I can get in my own head and decide what's right for me. Well, guess what? I need this work to stay connected to my, my higher power. Um, we hear a lot about social isolation. I'm living in Massachusetts, and you know there's a real mental health issue with the social isolation that we need to combat this, um, this uh, virus. But I am so grateful that this chapter, this paragraph exists to keep me out of isolation, uh, no matter where I am. Um, so uh, I'm just very grateful and that I am asked to do this work. Um, and it is the foundation of my recovery and my abstinence today. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, next up we have Cynthia followed by Liz. Good morning, Cynthia. Good morning, Larry. This is Cynthia C., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Food Addict from Newton, Massachusetts. May I be heard? Perfectly. Thank you. I'm so grateful to you, Larry, and everybody who makes this meeting happen today and every day. I think I don't, I, I, I truly can't express the depth of my gratitude. Like I have tears coming into my eyes that 
you know, I'm also in Massachusetts. Everything is shut down. Um, you know, not grocery stores, but, you know, um, I work in an organization where we provide life-saving nutrition for critically ill babies in neonatal intensive care units. And, you know, I'm doing everything I can do to make sure that we stay safe and healthy so we don't get shut down so that, you know, all these babies don't get hurt. And I'm feeling this enormous amount of pressure, whether it's real or exaggerated. I don't know. I don't, I think it's pretty real. Um, you know, and I just, um, and I woke up at very like oh, too early this morning feeling anxious. And, and the gratitude that I have is that I know that I don't have to go back to those really old, unhealthy behaviors. Um, coming up in April, I'm coming up on three years of recovery um, and, and in this meeting, you know, and today I have 12 steps that guide me on my path, um, you know, and I get to get up and I get to do my 11-step prayer and meditation, and I, uh, if I have a resentment or a fear inventory, I get to do a 10-step with somebody, and I have a whole new way of living because, you know, of the big book, OA, you know, AA, 12 steps, you know, this meeting certainly talks, focuses on the big book and the recovery that I have gotten from focusing on the big book is just enormous, you know, and maybe for me, the one silver lining of, you know, the coronavirus here taking over everything is that, um, you know, I travel an enormous amount and my schedule is really erratic and it's been hard for me to figure out how to make a commitment to sponsees when my schedule is so erratic. And right now, all my, all my, my travel is, is canceled for the next couple months at least. And, you know, it occurs to me now, you know, now I have time to take on, you know, maybe a couple more sponsees. I have time to do more service. So, um, and the only way I know that I can be available for other people is by my working my own steps. If I am not getting up in the morning and working my 11 step prayer and meditation, then I'm not grounded and I'm not connected with my higher power. Then, you know, then I'm, if I'm not doing my step work, then I'm taking back control. I'm trying to be in the driver's seat. When I do my 11th step and my 10th step, then I'm letting go of control. And I'm remembering that my higher power is in charge. And I'm just along for the ride. And my job is to stop, breathe, and listen to my higher power. And when I do that, when I sponsor, then I am able to be grounded and to be able to share my experience, strength, and hope. You know, I've, you know, in sponsoring, I found myself caught up in giving advice. And, and it's, you know, it's important for you around human. We're all human and none of us does anything perfectly. That is for sure. But it's helpful for me to remember as I, you know, am open to taking on more sponsees that my job in this program is to only share my experience, strength, and hope, to go through the big book with someone, to share what I've learned from other people, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what's best or right or wrong for me all the time. How can I possibly know what's best for somebody else? I am just another fallible, imperfect human being trying to do the best I can do. And, you know, I, I was talking to someone who's struggling That's last night. And I just ended, I was talking to someone who's struggling last night. And I realized, you know, I'm not in this program to become a better person. I'm in this program because this disease will kill me. And if I don't do my step work, then this disease will take me down. And today I'm grateful for this meeting and all of you here. With that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cynthia. Okay, Liz, um, it's your turn, followed by Stacy. Good morning, Liz. Hi, uh, this is Liz B. Um, from Connecticut. Uh, my Good first morning. time sharing on the line and really 
excited. Woo-hoo. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone. Um, thank you, Larry. Uh, so I just have gotten so much from the from the shares, um, but for me, what really uh, stuck out in this paragraph is the idea of willingness that that I don't necessarily I'm not going to necessarily have to do all of these things but but I have to be willing to do whatever God asks me to do and I'm really glad that it was pointed out at that first line but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them Um, I just know for myself in my recovery I really have to watch my motives Um, I'm a perfectionist, so I want to do everything perfectly. I want to do everything to the max degree. And it's not saying here that I have to, I have to go to these lines. It's just saying that I have to be willing to. What it does tell me I have to do is I have to act the Good Samaritan every day. Um, and I think this is not, for me, it's not only in program. It's, it's out of program with everyone that I'm meeting. If I can be of service and and God is directing me to be of service, then, then I have to do that. It's not, it's not what I want anymore. What I want is a very little consequence anymore. Um, and that's, that's a beautiful freedom because I, I can stop watching out for myself and I can just turn my attention to helping others. Um, and I think the just, program that being being in recovery has taught me to rethink things that I see as negative um you know not not to see them as negative right away like my 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 reaction to something like you know the the phone jangling at any time of day or night you know that might be oh this is such an inconvenience this is such an annoyance but but being in recovery has taught me to see it as a gift from God as an opportunity from God um and as long as I continue to maintain my spiritual fitness and continue to try to seek his direction, I can, I can trust in that direction when, when opportunities like that arise. Um, and I guess that's all I have to share on. I'm just so grateful to be on this call this morning. Um, thank you. I pass. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for, for jumping in there. Okay, Stacy, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. This is Stacy H. I am currently on the road. I'm in Indianapolis on my way back to Sweet Home Chicago, and I'm grateful to be on the line this morning. Um, This paragraph is very helpful to me because as I was having my quiet time early this morning, I was asking my higher power how, as I head to Chicago for nine or ten days, how do I find that balance between working with others and working my program and being of service to my family in Chicago who I'm going there to be of service to and how do I make sure I'm still taking care of myself and you know on past trips before um, before I you know was working the program I'm working now and entirely abstinent and um, plugged in um, to the big book you know that would always be you know I'd start out strong the first few days and then I would just fall back into sloppy food eating and not making phone calls and you know and i would i would give away um i would give it away each time and you know asking the higher power how do i find that balance um between giving time to others and you know most importantly um continuing to work the program and be of service to others so 
I'm really grateful, um, grateful to hear this great meeting this morning. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Stacy. Okay, we have time maybe for two, three more shares, something like that. Who else would like to jump in? Jen A. Jen. Who else? Jan S. Shannon. Hey, uh, Shannon. Jan. Or is that Jan? Jan. 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 Okay, Jan. Thanks so much. Let's go with Jen and followed by Jan and see where we're at. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Larry. This is Jen A. Recovered in Colorado today. And, um, you know, I am so grateful that somebody uh, carried this message to me and I get the opportunity to carry it to others. And, you know, I just go back and I, I think about what the Good Samaritan is. And I kind of go back to the biblical context because. I remember learning that the Good Samaritan was helping out a stranger. <clears throat> and the Good Samaritan was helping out somebody that they wouldn't normally help, right? The Samaritans and the Jews. And they didn't mix. And, uh, you know, we say in this program we're people who um, normally would not mix. And I find that to be really true. You know, I have friends all over the United States of America and all over the globe because of um, – this disease and because of this program and when we get together we just look at each other and go really like normally you know I don't know like I wouldn't have found you on a street corner and you wouldn't have found me in a library or a grocery store or a workplace and it's so super cool right but it doesn't matter that's the whole thing is that we are to be of use to others right I'm there to assist and support and love others. That's what I'm doing, right? And how am I doing that? By demonstrating the principles, right? And that's so cool. And the only way I can do that is with God's grace, God's love, and God's mercy. And so I know that, um, you know, that whole big paragraph how it talks about jails and it talks about smashing furniture, right, and all those things. And um, that paragraph just reminds me that serving others is not always going to be convenient. It's not going to be convenient to me. It's not going to be convenient to my family. Um, sometimes, you know, I have to step out of work and take a call. Sometimes I have to do X, Y, and Z. And so all I just need to remember is that God will give me enough time in each day um, to make sure that I'm connecting with him. When I connect with him, he'll give me enough time in each day to connect um, with him and his kids. So, um just grateful uh, for this reminder that um, people who don't normally mix, right? And that's this program of Overeaters Anonymous. Thanks, Larry. Have a great day, and I'll pass. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Okay, Jan, it's your turn. Good morning. Oh, Good morning. Jan. There you are. Hi. Can you hear me? Sorry. My voice is yeah. a little hoarse, so um, I've been ill. Okay, we can hear you. I'm grateful to be here today. Thank you, and at least be having more than a squeak. Um, I'm a grateful recovering compostable reader from St. Augustine, Florida, and um, I I um, I understand how crucial it is to work with others, and my sponsoring has definitely evolved over 38 years, and I really do hold it much much more much closer to you know the big book and working with others. And I really love this chapter because um, it's so important for me to stay connected. And it's crucial to my recovery. Like I've heard so many people say, um, it's almost like 
it's almost like I I can't be without a sponsee for even like a week because I need to work with others. It's like I have it's like the blood flowing in my veins. I have to I have to work with other people because that that not only helps me stay abstinent, but it helps me remember. It helps me remember when I bring a struggling person through the steps. That doesn't only help them, but that helps me. When when they struggle, I remember how I struggled when I first came in. I remember the pain. I remember all of that. And as I give away my recovery to them and help them find it, it's just it's just a blessing. It's a blessing. There's one part in the Big Book where it says love and kindness is our code, you know, love and tolerance is you know, is our code and, and you know, being patient, tolerant, loving and kind. And that's to me, that is the definition of my higher power who I choose to call God. And every day I go to my God in in prayer and aspire to be more like him in his ways. And and that's and I also work in the medical profession in the helping field. And um being compassionate and empathetic is part of my makeup as well. But in doing so every day, that that keeps me humble that keeps me doing God's will in my life whether that be working my program working with others being with my family working on my job I'm doing God's will every day and as long as Jan's will doesn't get in the way it's going to be a great day it's going to be a day where I'm open to giving and learning and receiving and being blessed while I try to be a blessing to others. And that was not the selfish, self-centered, ego-driven, angry, raging maniac that walked in the rooms 38 years ago. And it is such a blessing in my life today. And when I have challenges with situations or other people, I have to say to myself, you know, um, are you being patient, tolerant, loving, and kind right now? What's going on with you that this person is irking you? And I have to pause and I have to ask my higher power, God, to please help me see see my stuff and and get get through this so that I can be helpful for them. How can I help this person right now? And that, you know, this is the quote I have to live by today. And it's such a joy. So I thank you all for being here. I thank you all for your recovery that you share every day on the line. It is a true blessing. So God God bless you all and have a great day. Thank, thanks so much, Jan. Appreciate uh, closing us out there. And uh, thank you to everyone who has shared and, and joined us this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for this meeting this morning. And that share ID is 14,252. That's 14252. Okay, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
And uh, Susan H., are you there to read 164? I am here and ready. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day with a man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you 